We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA Podcast. We're brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. It's Monday afternoon here at the Timberwolves facility with Jace Frederick. Uh, blowout loss last night to the Dallas Mavericks. We can get into that a little bit, or yesterday afternoon, a matinee. Uh, but I, I kind of want to go big picture. Let's look at let's look at the whole season. And I was kind of thinking about as the Wolves are playing the Pelicans tomorrow. You know, Zion, and this is all taken off. He's taken on this whole huge narrative in and of himself. And LeBron's talking about him and how the league is in this really good place with Zion and Ja and Trey. And I couldn't help but, like, think about it compared to Cat. And not only just Cat, but, like, kind of those guys who are his age. You know what I'm saying? Like, 23, 24 years old. And is I guess my question is, is Cat out of that narrative – in the league because he's older or because these guys have gotten better than him and are now the, the players that, you know, teams or players around the league are looking at as the guy, the next class of superstars. What, what do you feel on that? Probably a combination of both. Uh, definitely too old, I think, to be in that group now. Right. You know, like Devin Booker's not mentioned in that group, anything like that. It's just Tatum like, was. That was kind of – Oh, okay. But he's but but Tatum's he's younger, younger too. Tatum's yeah. younger, too, yeah. 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 By a couple of years, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean, I think that makes pretty diff- big, pretty big difference because if you look at it like better players, when I think of like better players, a different class, guys you can build a championship team around. Right. I would say maybe you know Zion's definitely in that group. John Morant could be in that group. I don't think Trey Young's in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, just with with the style of play and how much he lacks on the defensive end. But so I, I don't I don't see him as like way better than Carl or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, so you think back to a couple years ago and Cat was like the guy who the GMs all voted on who would you most want to start building uh, a franchise around. And I, I guess I'm curious what that like answer would be now, where he would fall in that that sort of hierarchy of, you know, 
he probably wouldn't. I mean, he wouldn't win that right now. And maybe that is, again, just because he's a, a little bit older. But I, I guess it's just kind of been a hard year for his perception, right? In in that he's been great when he's played, but he also hasn't played. And the team is going to have, I mean, their worst record of any year of his career. And I don't know where his perception was even to start the year. Because, like, that all-NBA vote last year yeah. surprised the heck out of me like when when Rudy Gobert not only made third team over him but convincingly in the votes I was like maybe people around the NBA like people covering the league you know who have different perspectives from different regions they just don't you know they don't view him as like a top top flight center um let alone top flight player um and so now now you have this year where he's been out a lot and they've lost a lot with him and I now I'm really I would be really interested now to gauge you know what do you think of Carl Anthony Towns to just you know, maybe media members, um, other front office people. Yeah, like for next year. Right, like right. Where, is is he season. still in right. the – okay, so you think back like uh, maybe like two or three years ago and the, the center conversation was Embiid, Jokic, Gobert, Towns. And then even there was like Andre Drummond was kind of like at the – And Gobert the wasn't even the, really in it a Yeah, like Cat was yeah. – Cat was – was third, you know. I mean, he Probably, made he was second back then. Yeah, around two, three years ago, it was Embiid and Towns, and, and then Yoke was, he was like coming on a little bit, right? Yeah. So, so he Cat certainly has not fallen to Andre Drummond levels right, right. of where he's he's gone, um, and that's just simply because Cat's still a very, very good basketball right. player when he's playing. But it, I guess, so much of the like the lens I've looked at this team through, you know, for the past few years when you when you're thinking about rebuilding it or you know moving forward is. You've got a superstar already already locked up, and you know how much should a year where he's going to have when it's all said and done missed a third of it or whatever the number is, they're going to be a twenty-five win team if that. Like, how much do you have to reconsider like where where Cat is in the league? Because there's always been the conversation of can he be the number one guy on a team and. That's a really tough thing to be able to answer for sure. Like you can only there's a couple of those, but if he's now like I don't know, I think but before the year, I probably would have said he's like the I don't know twelfth best player in the league or something like that. Should we say that he's a lot lower than that now? I mean, maybe because some of those younger rookie guys have have popped up ahead of him. Yeah, and I don't know like if some of these guys are better than him right now. But who would you rather have next year? Who would you rather have in two years? And those questions matter too as you're building a team. You know, you can kind of project out like in two years, would you rather have Carl Anthony Towns or John Morant? Right. Well, and then you got to factor in that John Morant will still be on his rookie deal, right? And Cat will be making like thirty three million bucks, right? And that's it's the whole thing in the NBA right now where so it's almost frustrating to me because I understand that's just the way it works. But everybody, every team seems to think that they have to have a max player, so they just mm. pay somebody the max. And to me, like the max should be reserved for the guys who can we build something like a, a true championship contender. And I'm maybe not even a team that's going to win, but can we build a team that can I get first like round final four? Yeah, like, uh, sure. I was going to say first round home court advantage. Yeah, I was going to sure. say top eight. You right. know, and 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 that's probably worth it at that point. But now every team has one. You know, and and it's these guys who clearly aren't capable of getting you to that level, not without great teammates around mm-hmm. them. So I think you kind of need to calculate it like that. Can this guy be the best player on a top 10 team in the NBA? So basically, yeah. is he a top 10 player? I don't think Towns is a top 10 player. I, I, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I think he's moved down right. a, a ways this year. I mean, and, and part of that, I guess I don't know. If we, like, take out, take out the injury stuff. Assume, you know, assume he wouldn't play. We can't really knock a guy for getting hurt that right. much, particularly when he's been so healthy. One injury-riddled season does not make you, you know. Injury-prone or whatever. Player. Yeah, and if anything, you, we rely on his track record of being healthy. But then you go, all right, now this was, even when they were playing 
you know, well before all the trade stuff, obviously the def- the defense kind of appears to have regressed. So I think you got to weigh that against, I think his offense took a step forward this year. So you can look at him like really individually and be like, well, I don't know, he's probably still at a similar level overall to where he was at. But the conversation, I think, becomes how many other guys have leapfrogged him now? Or, like, you, you as you bring up Ja, and I remember actually months ago, you and I were talking about it, you're like, you know, when Ja was really making that first yeah, push, and yeah. you're like, I mean, I think it's now a conversation that, you know, a Ja Morant or a Zion Williamson is a guy that has moved above Cat in the whatever. The, and I was and like, well, Chase, 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 Chase. I was yeah. like, easy, easy. But, you know. As we get caught up in the moment a little bit, and John Morant is already le- is leading, going to lead a team to the playoffs. Of a playoff team, yeah. yeah, or you know, or close or, to yeah, the playoffs, right, right, right. There. Um, and you know, it's just it's it's just pretty easy to make an argument that John Morant's already better than him. You, you could, I mean, just looking at Memphis has a brand new rookie coach, you know, a very a similarly very young roster, and they're going to be a team who wins forty five some games with, led by Jaw. Whereas this team's going to win 25 and led by Cat, who's had his injuries. But I don't know. It's just, you know, looking for things to think about with this team as, as we get into like the basketball becomes some, somewhat academic. I'm just thinking about where, where are you going with D'Angelo and Cat? And I'm like very clearly on the record that I think that's a better direction to be moving than it would be with Cat and Wiggins. But. Now you, I mean, just because you have D'Lo, now are you of the mind that you don't need a guy who's better than Cat on this team? Like, and Cat's very good, but it seems like to get into that top eight, or I think for sure that top four, like, you probably do. So where, you know, where do you, it's existential sort of question, it's like, where do you go when you're in that spot? You can't just randomly go grab a top eight player and add him onto your team, but if you determine you need that, then that really opens up what the you know what the future of this team is going to be built out going forward. Like I think they're going to be considering that path of putting a, a number one in front of Cat. Yeah, and like you said, D'Lo and Cat is a better path than Cat and Wiggins. But just better path doesn't mean right path, you yeah. know. I think, and uh, it, I I've constantly watched this team recently, and you know, not even watching like games like breaking too many things down i'm just in my head just thinking almost every time we watch them play now even without talents is this going to work like do i see this heading in a direction that's going to work next year two years down the line as as they get they refine the roster even but just with like with these building blocks do i see this working and i guess it's the definition of like do i think they could like cat and d'lo you could build a team around them where they can get up to like the seventh eighth team in the west yeah i think they might be able to build a team that's good enough offensively where maybe on you know can get to 44 wins or something sure. like that and be an eight seed i don't think it's anywhere going to be near a championship contender i really think your best player, I think, has to be somebody who kind of sets a tone um, for your team and the way you play. And, and I don't know, just Russell's been fantastic offensively a lot totally. of these nights so far in Minnesota. But you see a lot of the same kind of defensive things like, I don't know, almost commitment to that end of the floor problems where you see with Towns. And it's like, can that right. – can, can the, your best two players, two of your five defenders on the court, kind of have that mentality and have you be, you know, like a, a top ten team? Probably not. I don't think so. I don't think we've seen that. Anyway, um, so that's why I think if heading into this draft this year, say you have, like, the two or three pick, I really think they should just be like, who is the best player available? I don't care if it clashes with Cat. I don't care if it clashes with Russell. If you're not going to trade that pick, take the best player and be like, 
maybe that guy can be the face of our franchise here as we move forward. Maybe he can kind of take the reins right. two years down the line. And, and, and it's Russell funny because there's a lot be... of centers and point guards yeah, who and will kind I, of be there. And I wouldn't shy away from it. I mean, yeah. I just think if, you know, Russell could play off the ball. I mean, they, they do that half the time with McLaughlin <laughs> now anyway, you sure. know. So, and, and Towns, like, people have been wanting to try him at the floor for forever. Uh, fans around the league, and I don't know how that would work defensively. I, mm-hmm. I get why that could be such a big issue, watching him chase anybody around the perimeter. I, from what we've seen, there's no way that would work. But... I just don't think you can shy away because I just don't think you're in a position where it's like, well, we have our best players, right? And we can, we we gotta not worry about taking what could be a transcendent talent if we deem somebody to be that after evaluating them throughout the process because you're worried that it doesn't fit right with Towns, doesn't fit right with Russell because those two players have not established themselves in this league to be guys where it's like we have to cater everything to them. At least right. not in my mind. No, no, I think I think that's fair, and it's it's interesting when you when you say the you believe they could be a 44 win team ish, whatever. And I, I think a lot of people would, would say that, you know, you can paint a, you, you can paint a picture where they easily become a team like the Orlando magic mm-hmm. where right. like, that's, that's not a, I think that certainly could happen if you just built like linearly with this group and we're like, yeah. And, and we're, you know, a consistently in the playoff conversation sort of team, but probably never getting into the, the home, you know, playoff hosting a playoff, series top four seed sort of question and some franchises around the league are cool with that they're like we're going to build linearly and and you know hope that things eventually break right for us one way or the other somebody comes in I mean Toronto would be the really optimistic they were kind of that for a long time and then boom something comes up and and they get Kawhi but that was still like overall I would take the say the Orlando example or the Toronto example was a very conservative approach and what this season, to me, has really indicated about Gerson Rosas in this front office is they're not going to be right. that way. So if they agree with you, which we have no way of knowing, right. that this is leading to a 44 win I type. don't think so. I think Rosas probably thinks D'Angelo Russell is better than I think D'Angelo yeah, 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 Russell yeah. is. So I do not think we have the same evaluation. I'm just assuming. But, like, for him to be really content with that, he would need to think that D'Angelo Russell and Cat could lead them to a 58-win team. Right. You know? And I think... They, they probably, in their heart of hearts, don't think that. Right. And now what I would assume they would say is they need to, would need to round out the roster, and you, 1A and 1B could be Cat and Dilo, and then everything else, 2 through 10, needs to be also really good, fit really well. And, like, part of me sees them, like, going in with that vision, but then at the same time I go, well, I don't know. They, they've, they've shown nothing to indicate that that's the way they operate. So, so then, then I, I think the question becomes: What do they do to, to shoot for the moon, for that next guy? And as you bring up, it could be the draft. Like, if they think James Wiseman is the man, or or whoever, like somebody from this draft that they love, then that could be someone they pursue. But at the same time, if we if we agree that Russell and Cat are kind of in this like they're not kids anymore stage, do you want to go get another twenty five year old to put next to him? James Wiseman's going to be 18, 19 next year. I mean, all these guys in this class are going to be kids. What if, you know, it's another Darius Garland, you know, where it looks like someone they really liked in their assessment on the draft, or a lot of people did. But Darius Garland is just clearly going to take a few years to develop, if ever. You know, you don't – it's just – even if they have the two or three pick, in, it's, there's nothing close to a guarantee that you're getting John Morant. But even John Morant wasn't a guarantee to be John Morant, you know? Yeah, so then that becomes a question. Luka Doncic wasn't a guarantee to be Luka Doncic. These guys can be young, and in two years they can be ready to be a major part on a 
really good team. Do do you think that that's what they'll do? Is is no use that pick? I mean, I think they'll I think they'll I think they'll find a way to trade that pick for a piece that they think is maybe more in the Russell Towns age range or, right. or a, a piece that they really need. I would, I mean, if I was them, I would use the pick and take the pick. Um, but I'm just guessing this is not based off any no, information. No, 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 no. Yeah, this we're is, just talking. Yeah, this is I. But I would assume that they'll trade the pick because of just how we see them, how aggressive they are, and how they like to you know yeah. weigh all options and see what they can get. And that's what I've been saying too. And it, it I'm not, I'm not saying I think it's for sure that they're going to trade this top five pick. I just think if you look at the top five team, the, the teams that are going to have the top five picks this year, the Wolves are the most likely yes, of those true. top five yep. teams to, to make a move. Because if you're New York, it's like, all right, get another guy to put next to R.J. Barrett, who's going to be 20, you know, or or Cleveland, another guy to put next to their the two guards that they have right now who are 20 and 21. It's just it becomes a little bit different when you're talking about Cat and Dilo, who are 24, and it would just be – they talk – Gerson and Ryan and all these guys talk so much about this age window. And, and clearly all the moves outside of James Johnson were made to, to land players who fit their age curve. Like this roster is all the same age right now pretty much. Mm-hmm. So to me it would just be – it just wouldn't be like congruent with that sort of pattern that we've seen for them to say, yeah, we're just going to take the best 19-year-old – that's available. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to see them doing that, judging what their behavior has been thus far. Yeah, and you know, with everything with collecting guys in this age window, like I don't think a Russell Towns duo is going to be good enough uh, mm-hmm. to lead you to the heights that they want to go. That Gerson Rosas has said he wants to get to the championship level heights, but I do think that they're interested in building a roster that, you know, can kind of be sustainable you know mm-hmm. and, and and one that will be together for you know three four years maybe yeah. and and then just the thought is that you know we just see these guys continue to naturally progress and everybody does and maybe it's Beasley Russell and Towns and they all get a little bit better and they continue to refine the roster each year but in general they have continuity and that makes a great team you know I mean, I mean we've seen Denver do that yep. to a large degree and, and Denver is probably going to keep doing that with the similar group of guys mm-hmm. um, as long as they can afford it and I think I could see Minnesota maybe taking that route and just assuming that hey this is going to get better and I think that's where it's alarming that Carl hasn't progressed as a player and seems to be about where he's been before it's like this can't be who he's going to be if in three years you think you're just going to have a championship contender but maybe he does need that continuity to be able to grow he said that as well yeah and and Andrew Wiggins said that about his time in Minnesota no continuity lots of guys have said it a bunch of different coaches a bunch of different systems a bunch of different teammates which sounds like an excuse but I think that's fair it's true that would that would make sense to me right right coaches Ross I mean the amount of guys that Cat has shared the floor with in his career in now five years, I mean, it has to be like 100 players. Yeah, I, I would say so, yeah. Right? Like well, five years, 20, 20 years. different, I, 20 years. I remember like his first That's year. Probably that like, right, but but like, whatever, yeah. like, <laughs> right, 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 That's probably not right. But whatever, like somewhere close. It's a ton. Right. It, it, it's At least like, 50. Yeah, for sure, which is, yeah. So so I do think that that's the – I know I've been saying this. It's going to be interesting to see Cat and D'Lo play together. Because, you know, we'll be able to see X and O's wise what fits. But even, you know, throw throw kind of some of that out and you just look. And if they are really dynamic, like we'll call it the last 15 games of the season offensively, when they haven't had that time, they haven't had the continuity, they, that progression obviously hasn't started because it's the beginning. But if they're an elite offensive team these last 15 games of the season, I think that is legitimately something to be excited about if you are Rosa's. Because it could get even 
it, it should get even better as they have more time together. They they have better players that fit around them. They have yeah, they just have that continuity that say the Wolves are we feel confident over the last 15 games saying, yeah, that was for sure a top 10 offense in the league. Like the defense is bad, whatever. But it's for sure one of the better offenses in the league. You can really take that in next year and say, and make a reasonable goal of saying, we're going to be one of the best offenses in the league. And now, I, again, there's the other side of the mm-hmm. Venn diagram that you have, to, you have to work on. But I was just even thinking about the Dallas game of like, you know, Dallas has – they became the best offense in the league. They're right now the best offense in the, in the league. It didn't take be- long. And it didn't take long at all. And they do have better role players. They have a really good coach. But Porzingis is just now getting back to looking anything like himself. Luka is 20, just turned 21. And they're, they're already there at an elite offensive level. And actually, they have like, they're like right next to the Wolves in defense this year. Like they're like 18th or something. So I think about it like that. And Denver, I think, is the eventual goal. Yeah. Why, why couldn't they be Dallas next year? I, I don't think there's any reason why that can't be. I think offense comes pretty quickly. Like, you talk about Sadie yeah. Carl comes back in these last 15 games. We'll see if that even happens. Yeah. But I think we'll get a pretty good view of what it's going to look like uh-huh. um, unless they make major moves this offseason just right. with the roster construction. But I think the offense is kind of like a snap your fingers, and it's kind of there. Like, guys just kind of play too. together, and they figure things out. I think defensively is. You know, the Timberwolves use that excuse a lot, get miscommunication and whatnot. But I do think that's an area where – that's where continuity can yes. make a big difference. You Absolutely. know, guys, you know each other, like, you know what's, like, where he's expecting you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we see that all the time in these, what, eight, nine games that it's been of, like, just clearly miscommunications right. or or you're assuming your partner here is going to be doing something and it's just, you, then you're looking at each other and before you know it, so-and-so has drove by it's you the party in the Red Sea. I mean, it yeah. like, and it looks like that a lot. And and I do think that this roster does not have very many, very many good defenders on it. And I do think it would struggle, maybe even anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Uh, but that plays a big part in it. You see a lot yeah. of guys putting their hands up like, wait, I thought we were doing this. And then guys talk after the game like, yeah, I said this, and that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's only going to compound all of your issues on that right. end and make it look worse than it should be even, which is kind of what we're seeing now. Like, this is disgusting defense right. uh, that, they've, that they've played since the trade deadline. It shouldn't be this bad. Um, but I don't think that I actually the right people. I, and I don't, maybe this is just because I was just so stuck in my ways of believing that the style of defense they committed to at the beginning of the year was the wrong way mm-hmm. for the group and for, specifically for Carl. I mean, right. that's just, I agree with that. that's just my opinion on, on it. So in a weird way, I found like the defense to be encouraging, not, not in its effectiveness because yeah, you're right. It's like 10 times a game. It's like, Oh, the parting of the Red Sea. It's a good way to put it. But I, I like and what I'm enjoying in watching these games is is seeing them try out different things. Right. And, I mean, in the third quarter, which was really the only quarter they played well yesterday against Dallas, they played well because they played zone mm-hmm. and, 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 like, mixed it up. And you and I were both asking Ryan after the game kind of about that, of not the effectiveness of the zone. And, and what I said is, you know, is that something you're going to do with Cat when, when he comes back? And, and Ryan said yes. I thought that was really interesting because I was under the impression, just from my own personal belief, yeah. like they're just doing this because they're getting crushed so bad size-wise. Yep. So I thought it was encouraging to hear them say, like, yes, we will still do that with Carl because it was an effective switch-up. Well, and, and there's been a couple of different effective switch-ups. I mean, not in the aggregate. They're last in defense yeah, since right, the trade right, line. Like, yes. I get that, but there's been times where you go, wow, this team looks invigorated by the way that they're playing defense actively that leads them into going to play offense 
with pace. They're number one in pace since the since the trade deadline. And I, I guess I just I just like to see them be doing something different because my core belief is that the way they were using Cat over and over again as a defender was not what was best for him. And so, again, who knows how much we'll see of Cat for the rest of the year, but this behavior, coaching behavior since the trade deadline, shows me a willingness to adjust. And, and that, that just in and of itself, to me, is encouraging for the future of, of this team's defense. I think they were trying something out at the beginning of the year that they gathered 50-plus games of, you know, that's going to be a part of our identity at times, kind of like they are now. They still defend similarly yeah, with Nas. Right, right. But, but now they're going to say, it, it appears, I don't know, but I guess Ryan kind of said yesterday after the game, we're going to try different things, throw different looks at them. And that, to me, that is so, that's bringing back to the Houston North mm-hmm. parallel, what the Rockets are like. This Rockets team has is doing a lot of the things the Timberwolves are, being so yep. small. And then their, their defensive plan is really to just throw a bunch of weird stuff at you defensively. And a lot of times it depends on the opponent. Like yeah. They do things that they think might work for just that opponent, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, so I wonder, like, truth serum, <laughs> like, were you just – did you know you were going to have to get to this point no matter what, where you were going to – Probably never just be a be able to execute defense at a high level. What you're just trying to hammer that home, like hammer home. This is what execution looks like over and over again for 50 games. And now you say, yeah, but we do understand we have some shortcomings on that side of the ball, and how we're going to make up for them is by being elite on offense, and we're going to do things defensively that allow us to play offense at the pace that we want to play offense at. And the defense just probably will never be like pretty. They're not going to be, they're not going to be like the Toronto Raptors or the, you know, Indiana Pacers or Bucks, who just seem to really slow the game down in the half court. I just think their defense, defensive plan is to play defense in a way that just keeps the energy up the yeah. whole time. And maybe that that some of that energy is just like whatever they scored on us, like grab the ball right. and that let's go. And they do that a lot. And which yeah. is we're we're seeing a lot of that <laughs> now. But I don't know. It, it's I, maybe people would think this is stupid, but I've oddly been encouraged by the defense post-trade line simply because it's something different. And now the next step to me is, okay, what does this look like with when Carl's okay. in it? Because uh, the offensive we'll line, I really think it's going to be fine. On defense, we'll, we'll learn far more about yes. what this team plans to do or everything when Carl comes and, and then the first half of next year, too, like, well, uh, essentially the final 15 games are going to be preseason. But yep. sometimes you can gather little nuggets. From, At least what they prefer to start with. Yeah. You know? Um. All right, let's talk about the Dallas game. Obviously, that's bad. We can look at I want to get to this quick first. Okay, you talked on. about, you know, like they're switching up the defense now and everything. And it just totally reinforces to me the idea that you didn't need to just pound your head against the wall through those first 50 games of the year when you could see like it was there were reasons for adjustments. And they're like, no, no, we have to have these systems in place. And then they talk about getting the new players. And they're like, well, this is why we had to do this. So these systems were in place. And now you're changing like your defensive systems and what you're doing anyway. So I still don't see exactly. I still don't have any real clarity as to why you had to run exactly what you ran offensively and defensively when you can see that like they're pretty comfortable just running new guys out there now and like and and trying different things you know I just I don't still don't get why they had to approach the first pre-trade deadline yeah and and even outside of schemes just like rotations and stuff yeah right you were you were so unwilling to to try to deviate from the plan 
whether that, you know, the classic things are, you know, playing Gorgie next to Cat or, yeah, right. or, you know, just any of those sort of things, you just weren't trying stuff. You were right. saying, we're doing this because we believe this is the right thing for the future of the team. And then poof, you hit the trade deadline, you go. Now you're willing to try anything. Yeah. You know, to figure what, out what works. Which, and, and, and I don't know, I mean, sometimes you make the wrong decision. Sure. Like maybe that was just, maybe that plan wasn't right from the beginning. And maybe it was. Maybe it, maybe that it's hard for us to see or understand because we're not in the film sessions and not in all that, that maybe Kat learned a lot of behavior in that time of, of the, you know, the process of understanding this is what it's like or, or whatever, not just Kat, the other, other guys on the team. Um, maybe that is like more of a soft value that we, we can't really tell. But, but at the end of the day, just being dogmatic, just for the sake of being dogmatic, at some point you hit diminishing returns. And I think that's where they got to. And now they say, okay, time to, you know, necessity forces invention. And, right, and right. the trade, like, they literally don't have big players. Right. So they're, so they're, they're trying, um, they're trying different things. And I, like, I almost feel like to start the year, Gerson didn't believe in the roster, but the team believed in their systems. Where yeah. now after the trade deadline, he believes a little bit more in what they have on the roster. So maybe you're willing to be like, okay, well now let's see what system fits this because I actually believe in the players we have here. So let's find what. Well, and he, and he said that. I mean, and, right. and that's not us putting words in his no, mouth. It's no, he, no, he, he, he basically said, said our roster stunk. That's ba- n- yeah. not so many words, you know. No, I mean it needed you, to change. Anyway. You asked him at the big press comp, D'Angelo, well, the post trade deadline press post trade deadline press conference of when did you know that you needed to change make these major changes to the roster? And he said May first. Day day was hired. Yeah, and you know. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe people think that's some talking out of both sides of their mouth, but I think about it, though, if I was Gerson Rosas, like, what would I do? He, he, they couldn't just – he. it wasn't trade season. He couldn't just totally rip the roster apart right on May 1st. I think they tried to some extent yeah. in the offseason. Right. Russell chose to go to Golden State. Right. And and there was this other – I mean, they had, they had Gorgie on the books. They had Teague on the books. They had all these contracts that – prevented them from making a big move in June and July. Like Teague's contract goes from being super onerous in June to once you approach the trade deadline, you go, oh, whatever. It's 19 yeah, million bucks it's expiring. Firing, right. And even to somebody like Atlanta, they're like, yeah, sure. We don't we don't have a backup point guard. Like, right. Well, we don't have any use for Alan Krabs. So. Exactly. So it, it just I think I think both were true. I think I think he or or both were fair. I think he knew he had to change the roster. Mm-hmm. And I think he also knew that it, this is what he had from May 1st until the trade deadline was let's make the most out of it, make the most out of this group. We, you know, a lot of a lot of the cheap signings they made, you know, proved to not be valuable from Jordan Bell to Noah Vonley to whatever. But you can say Jake Lehman, like, that was a good move. He seems like he's a piece of the future, even though he happened to miss all this time. But, it, like – that was the one guy they assigned multiple year they signed for multiple years. And now you can see like, yeah, he makes sense as part of the future of what we anticipate this identity of this team going forward. So I don't know. It's a it's part of it is part of it I'm like, why did you guys do this the whole way? But then I go back to how many options did they have? Right. Right. How many options I don't know if anything have? else would have worked. I really exactly. Don't. Exactly. They were just it was an uphill battle, you know, from from the start. Um, all right, I, I do – let's, like, rip through some James Johnson, some of these guys who have been um, encouraging of late. I don't think anybody played particularly well in uh, the Dallas game. That was just right. one of their worst games since the deadline. But when you look at Miami, you look at the Orlando game, 
um, from the road trip, I think there's you know plenty to be encouraged about. Um, obviously, Jordan McLaughlin, this has kind of been this exciting piece mm-hmm. um, that came out of nowhere. But, you know, same with James Johnson. He he didn't play well, you know, last night, but I think he's he's really been something that has kind of inspired this group in a way that that I didn't anticipate. And I think you and I are kind of privy to, like, seeing some of those locker room interactions, and it's like he's like a 10 out of 10, yeah, I think, for right, this group in, right. in that sense. And even last night after a terrible game, like, he's – he accepts full responsibility that they did not play well enough, mm-hmm. and and you can tell it like weighed on him, and they're like that can't happen. But then after that's done, he takes the responsibility and stuff. It returns back to just kind of like mm-hmm. a little bit more of a lightness, you right. know, which I think is a really good balance. Like, hey, face it, like we didn't play well, we came up flat. That can't be us. We cannot do that. We cannot show up. like that. We're mm-hmm. too young to have these types of performances. Um, and then afterwards, he's back to like you know just having regular conversations with his teammates and whatnot. And I right. think it's, that's it's a like good way refreshing to, go about to be like. Yeah, like I suck today. Yep. But I don't suck every day. Yep. And I don't have to sit and sulk. I don't have to visibly sulk so mm-hmm. that you guys can all see I'm sulking because nobody thinks that your whole day has to be terrible. But it is nice to just like no sugarcoating, no BS or whatever. Right. Like didn't even have to say it in that many words, but just accept responsibility. This was not what it was supposed to be. That was mm-hmm. not a good performance, and then move on. It's weird. That was the. I was very, like, in favor of the trade deadline as a whole. But if there was one element of it that just didn't really make sense to me was the, the Gorgie for for James Johnson swap. And I was thinking, you know, obviously, at the time, we didn't know Cat was going to be out. We thought that this the rest of this year was still going to be about, you know, continuing to pound the rock, continuing right. to, to stick to this system. And Gorgie seemed to at least defense – I mean, for sure defensively, really fit yeah. that system – uh, in a way, so I was kind of like, "Oh, this is you know, this is kind of weird." Like, I know maybe Gorgie can't play next to Cat, but he's just about as good as you can get mm-hmm. for a backup to him at this juncture. Um, but it it's funny, like James Johnson, his presence has almost triggered everything that we were just talking about. How the whole identity of how they're playing, whether I mean he's when he's out there at center, they can switch everything. Right. Like as soon as he came in, boom! Like the whole the whole system changed. What I find is interesting about that is, do you think Carl's going to be able to effectively switch everything? Well, effectiveness does not seem to be... True. It uh, can't be any worse than him dropping. I mean, that's true. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, and, and I don't know. I think sometimes... I'm just saying because if he can't, then you're having everybody play this defense where you're switching everything, and then Carl comes, and now you've got to do something different. Well, to, to speak of it, like, really basically, if we say, you know, four-plus years of cat playing defense in this one way it broadly did not work yes true yep so to me that's why i go let's just try different things like yep. sometimes that works let's let's you know let's try different matchup things, things. Do, do they have a guard who can hit that mid-range 18 footer exactly. consistently and kill us exactly not everybody does so so now if if you grade carl you know if you grade carl poorly in that old style of defense and now if he's playing in the james johnson role switching everything playing not just in a rim protector role, and he stinks at that. Well, now you just have a a big issue of he just stinks kind of at yeah, <laughs> pretty much every right, way you right, use him defensively. Right. But we don't know that 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 has always been my point is trying up different things because we know this baseline of how he's been playing as purely a rim defender has not been effective every year of his career. The team has been bad defensively. 
we do have a small sample size already, though, of a perimeter defender as poor as D'Angelo Russell not having a rim protector behind him yep. leads to countless easy buckets, basically whenever the other team wants it. And, yeah, obviously. So that now there, that's the wrinkle on that right. on that whole sort of path of you go. What do we need to do to compensate for that? And I think that Russell has some some size and just like height and length where he could he could become competent at that. I think he needs to work on his body this summer and really commit to that where he could be approaching passable at, on, as a perimeter defender. But at the same time, the plan also looks pretty clear that they're going to just try and keep him off ball as much as right, possible. Right. And they're going to, they're going to, I mean, that's, but th- so the whole problem with that has been, we've seen many times in these last few games, he might just be guarding somebody in the corner Every time that guy cuts, D'Angelo's like staring at the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has led to so many easy buckets too, just somebody cutting right behind him. And it's that's an awareness thing. That's just a paying attention to the details kind of thing. Well, so all right. So there's like the Charlotte game, right? And Charlotte stinks. So he's out there guarding like Cody Martin and Jalen mm-hmm. McDaniels who are just – they're literally, no matter what, not going to do anything right. but just sit in the corner right. and spot up for them. Yep. So like if I'm Ryan Saunders, I go, yeah, in that opportunity, let's definitely put you know D'Angelo there. Right. Now you have to if that if that player becomes Tim Hardaway last night, who's a lot more dynamic of a you know off ball sort of guy, then you got to start you got to consider different things, and that's that's to your po- whole point of being matchup specific to you know what is the plan tonight against this team. At the end of the day, if, if your plan if your plan only works against Charlotte, it's not a very good plan. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Once you eventually get to the playoffs, you have to have a way that D'Angelo Russell can be effective on both sides of the, of the ball. Otherwise, it'll, it just, right. you'll lose. You're going right. to get swept because that teams will just attack whatever that weakness appears to be. So, so there's like there's, – I don't know. It, it, it's, that's the chess game of it is how much, how, much can, how much can you hide him? How much can you give to Josh Okogie? I mean, right. I, think, I think Josh Okogie is a critical part of this calculation going forward yeah. because he is going to be the stopper, the on-ball guy that they're going to put on – they're going to put on the best player every night, the best perimeter creator every night, and and that Which to me did that to me did that determine? Do you think when they drafted Jared Culver, they thought he could be that? Um, because to me, that's the only explanation for they decided, okay, that can't be the case, and now Josh Okogi is yeah an every night starter. I I think, or what they've been saying, I think they still think Jared Culver could be that. Um, you, again, going back to that press conference when we're asking about, you know, all the roster turnover, Gerson said, there's a reason Josh is still here. There's yeah. a reason Jared is still here. And it was it was specifically after somebody had asked about the defense. Yeah, right. And so I think what we know, and I just want I think Josh has been really encouraging. Yes. Since the yep, trade deadline, um, both sides of the ball, like he's, he's for sure one of those guys that you could be like, yeah, you're part of the, you're part of this defense going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Jared could be too. I think currently – um, the difference between him and Josh is he gets pushed around um, by when that when that creator is a little bit bigger, uh, you know, a, a stronger sort of guy. Where, as I use Harden as like the key example, like Josh can Josh can physically sort of fight with Harden. Yep. Whereas Jarrett, for now, as a 21 year old, is going to get beat up in those situations. So I think Jarrett, I think they believe that Jarrett, it can be Jarrett and Josh. Um, now, what to me is interesting is those two have been completely staggered thus far. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's a product of they both can't shoot. 
So you kind of have to stagger them because you can't play offense where those are your two guys spotted up around Russell and whoever else. Like, those guys eventually are going to need to play together. If, if we assume that they need this defense yep. from them, they both are going to be able to be good at it. They both need to play defense together well. And, and to stay on the floor together, they need to be able to be positive offensively. And, and that, I mean, the rotation behavior suggests – you do not think they do and not I think, think they right can do now that. that's fair. I think right now that mm-hmm. is not a good fit. I think they probably hope maybe next year or something, you know, another offseason of work, maybe one of them becomes a 36% three point shooter. Yeah. Is, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, you right. No, Guys I think that's jumps. the, that's the, and that's what I would, that's yeah. what I would do if I were in their situation is, yeah, you just are really working on having those two in, improve that element of the game. And I think to Josh's credit, um, I think he's found ways to be like, be in the three-point slot and also be able to like take a guy off the yeah, dribble and, right, and, and right. drop off to he's dynamic in that yeah spot. He, he's yeah. he that that's what it's gonna i don't think josh okogi is ever gonna be the 36 percent right. three-point shooter um and probably, and probably not Jarrett culver either so then he's got to be really good at everything else offensively to kind of to kind of make that work and, and you know maybe that's maybe that's what you work on or i mean what you also hit is you just go we actually think these guys are both pretty good players but we need, we need them to be able to play together, and if they can't play together, you probably have to trade one of yep, them. Yep, right. And I think that's probably at the nexus of one of these next trade periods of. You probably don't. Have, you can probably wait till at least next trade deadline before you completed that evaluation. Exactly, and I think it'll depend on who becomes available when. Right. If I think if there's some, this front office has indicated if there's something they love out there, like they will give up a lot, you know, to go get it. And I think in their eyes, Jared has stole a lot. And they believe in Jarrett, you know, to to an extent, but I don't think that belief would preclude them from considering trading him. I mean, I don't think anything, anyone on the roster right. is like safe from that possibility, and that's just because they're really like building and building and building. It's gonna right. I, it's gonna be a constant churn of like we need every trade period, we need to get better. That's where I actually respect what they do in that while a guy is here. They do pour all their resources into them and mm-hmm. try to help them be the best player they can be, at least in ch- maybe not with playing time if it doesn't work out that way, but, you know, player development, having guys here ready to go, like giving them the best amenities. But they don't become so attached to that player that they won't part with them. You yes. know, they're kind of – they're ruthless in a good way, I think, in mm-hmm. when it comes I, and to – And I think that's just the nature. you got to yep, be that. Right, I right. think every team – I don't know if every team is like that, you know. but it, Everything it, probably should be like right, that. Right, that's what I'm saying. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I do I do too, and it's I, – I just – think it's really encouraging that josh has been good yes yep. for for this past almost month now since the since the deadline because they need one of those guys yep. to help cover over some of the d'angelo russell issues now d'angelo needs to improve himself individually um committing to to that side of the ball um and you know at, at the end of the day you traded for him because you believe that in theory right that he can be a guy who is not a 100 on the offensive end and a zero on the defensive right. end. Like, I don't think they're operating under any sort of, like, misnomer that him or Cat could come out and be one of the best defenders in the league. Right. No, but it's, like, it's about hitting that level of competence. Can't be a negative. Yeah. Can't both be negatives. And, and we, right. talked about, we talked about that with Doc Rivers. Um, yeah, you know, that was and, really good. And just asking, like, do your best players need to be two-way players? And he said yes. Mm-hmm. Basically said, you can't have... You can have maybe one guy, maybe two, 
like yeah. on your entire roster who are not defensive players. Mm-hmm. And the Wolves right now for the plan is to start two um, and have them be your best two. Well, it's, it's I mean, it's uh, in so many words, he's talking about Lou Williams there. Right. Yeah, right, um, right. That's it. That's their one. And he said, okay, he's the guy who we can afford to have him in there for his offensive plus and his defensive minuses. And I, and I think, it, so let's say the Clippers go to the, the, the finals and so they're there in four series. One, mul- I bet would bet multiple of those series, Lou Williams has a much more limited role for that exact reason because they say we just can't afford to have him out there as much because he's going to get punished defensively. And if you're the Clippers, like that, that's even an issue for them right now because he's one of their better players. But you can kind of survive because they have, you know, three other guys who yeah, are Luke who can are guard better. The than worst them. wing, whoever that is, exactly. You know? Unless that worst wing is Big dynamic, you know, yeah, right, in, in right. some sort of way. But but yeah, it's <laughs> it's just come playoffs, whenever that is for the Wolves next. If Cat and D'Lo are Lou Williams, it doesn't work. Right, you're gonna lose. Yep. You just you just are. So you you try and build them up. You try and build them up into into better defenders. And to me, so much of the problem for them both as defenders is between the years. Yeah. And it's for a lot of guys. Yep. I don't even, yep. I'm not trying yeah, to call right, them stupid right. or anything. I mean, these guys are all, so many. Most NBA players are great athletes. Yeah, you know, like athletically, it's not the problem. And and Cat, like I think Cat's like in that role he was in, he's not necessarily like huge. He's not like right, a Rudy Gobert. Right, so that's right. a little bit, but Cat's still a, a, a good athlete. He's has shot blocking abilities. Yep. He can move his feet. He's not like, he's not physically limited. It's just, he needs to like weave his, like his basketball IQ into that body effectively. And I think that, I think that could become a competent defender. I, I was talking to Charlie on the podcast last week. I remember, like, at this time last year, writing something saying, like, I think Cat's approaching, like, league average. Yeah, he was. As, he, as a defensive center. And, and, like, the bar doesn't – he doesn't need to be that much better right. than league average to be successful because he is going to be one of, if not the best, offensive center in the league. So, like, that could be cool. D'Lo just has to do the exact same thing. He needs to be – their version of James Harden offensively and then approaching competence defensively. And then I think you're in a, again, to use a Dallas example, then I think you're, at, then you're up at the Dallas level, which like sounds great because it's the number one offense, but still, what are they going to be like the seventh seed? Right. Like, I just think that's step one, which is a big step to take. And then you start making the other moves on the margins. Then it's the Denver example, right? You get your Paul Millsap, you get your Torrey Craig, you get your other guys. You get that synergy. You get that continuity. And now you're like, all right, we were second in offensive rating this year, and somehow we got to 11th because we got all on defense because we got everyone else around them is, is really good. And I think I just I think that's the goal. I think that's the only way it works. And to me, that just seems to be how they're building out this team. Like, that is the plan going forward. You know, when Carl had that best stretch of defense, and I do think that was about it. It was around the All-Star break or just after, maybe, or maybe even before. But anyway, last year, I just looked at it as, like, who was playing with him in that stretch? Uh-huh. It was, like, Tyus Jones, Will yep. Dang, some Dario, but a lot of Taj Gibson, mm-hmm. you know? like And even it, Anthony Tolliver, yeah, too, right. who, like, you knew know, where to be. Smart players. Yep. Like, he was really smart players who knew where, where Carl, like, where he is effective, where he gets in trouble, all these different types of things. It's just... If you surround him with four, 
smart players who or know. Or three if you got D'Lo in there. That's what I'm saying. That's what's oh. harder. That's what's yeah. harder. You know, okay. like I don't know if you have. It's hard, I think, when you get two uh, mm-hmm. guys and you kind of need to be covered up for yeah. a little bit out there. Um, so that'll be the challenge, I think. I, I think so, too. And it, it again, the to use the Houston One example. One of them's going to have to make a jump, I think. Yeah. And, and to me, I think it's it could be Cat. I, I think, think it's, it's more, more likely, likely. it's Cat. Yeah. Because he is, he's big. <laughs> he, he's big, and I think he could take, I think he could have a big offseason, like physically. Like, I think Cat could put on 10 pounds of good muscle. Mm-hmm. and And it just... It helps him in every facet of the game. I could really, I could really see that happening, and and then yeah, then he is next year an above average defensive center like that. That seems possible. D'Lo, I think the process will be longer. If sure, but we had to, we did see like well, who did Gerson Rosas have a front row seat to watching develop James Harden. Remember when James Harden? It was yeah. just like it was he was a meme. His defense yeah. like it, it was horrible, and he's developed mm-hmm. into a competent like learned ways to use his body and whatnot to just be at least competent on that end of the floor and I mean, Damian Lillard too same exactly thing. right that was right, the same thing right. but it, it was really just about for Dame and for Harden of a real just mental commitment to it right and I think you need to go to the playoffs and lose to realize that yeah it was and I did uh when I was in Denver I did the podcast with some of those Denver guys and they were like uh, it sounds cliche but like when they lost that game 82 here to the Timberwolves it was like just something's totally changed in in every one of these players views like He's like, you know, we're we're Denver. This isn't like a place that guys normally stay, you know, for the off season. But he's like, people were here all, all summer. There was like an absolute commitment to being like, no, we're not we're not gonna get bounced in the last game of the season, like again. And yeah, you kinda have to have that like that heartache of it first to be able to say, Oh yeah, I do need to I do need to change this about myself. And then what I start thinking about, I'm like, okay, so is that next year for the Wolves? Is that two years from the Wolves that they, they hit that point? Because at some point – You have to be good enough to get to hard I, I know. You know. And so how how long? You know, how long is that to you that maybe it's one year to get to heartache and then a year or two to respond to heartache to then be back to it? And then at that point, Cat and D'Lo are in expiring contracts. Right. You know, so it's the, – the Wolves kind of need to – I don't know if that's something you can like – uh, simulate or something, but there's just, I, I kind of hate when everyone's like, oh, the, the clock, the Anthony Davis clock is on for Cat. It's like, well, no, come on, there's like four years left right, in the contract. Right. But that is the argument where you go, But how well, many years away are they from relevance? You exactly. Know? Yeah. It's like there and that. So they got to, that, that also informs my opinion of why I think we'll see this front office be really aggressive going forward to, to say, no, we're not going to wait out, you know, another contract. We're not going to wait around to see if Jarrett Culver can be the this guy or wait around to see that Josh Okoge can take another step or Wancho or Malik or whoever it is. Like, they're going to say, this is the information we have. We need to make a decision now because time is of the essence. We can't roll a whole another year out there to only to learn that our assumption was, in fact, correct. Right. So it's... I don't know. That that's when I'm thinking about this summer and the draft and everything. I my anticipation. I anticipate that they're going to be looking at this all through a lens of that has a sense of urgency to it. Which sounds weird for a team right. that's going to win like 23 right. games, but 
that would make sense to me at least i think that just seems like how they want to attack everything you know i mean we, we saw they didn't wait to act here when the trade deadline came they're like okay it's been 50 however many games we know this doesn't work yeah you know and i and i think and they could have waited till the summer yeah they could have waited till the summer easily and most people thought that that was what was going to happen um it was no coincidence that the Allen Crab Jeff Teague trade went down a day before Cat was coming back from that knee injury. Right. Like they said, no, we got, we want to see this. Right. We want like let's add a shooter. Let's yeah. see if that does something. You know. Yeah. Or or just I mean, or add a shooter or addition yeah. by subtraction, right. whatever exactly. you know, whatever right. it may right. be. Right. Like, right. I don't know. There, every one of these little like the pile of these behaviors to me, you stack them up together, and I go, man, I I wouldn't be surprised to see this roster look really different. Right come game one of next season. And, and I don't disagree with it. That would right. make sense to me. Yeah. And and that's why, like, I well, I think Gerson Russell really values D'Angelo Russell and thinks he can be, like, a point guard who can lead them to great heights. That's where I take almost a little bit of comfort in that, sure, they're going this direction now, but I really think this front office might be one that's, like, next year goes, this direction doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. So what should we do now? You know, and it's just aggressive enough to say, nope, try something else. Nope, try something else. Mm-hmm. Nope, try something else. Rather than being like... Yeah, this is kind of the ship we set sail on, so right. let's just ride it out. But then it becomes interesting of how many of those swing and misses do you get? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good. It's a good point. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure Glenn Taylor. And it's not like, even a swing and a miss. It's like anticipating a curveball or right, something. Right, like, right, right. I, I don't know. It's uh, as long as somebody, if I was owning a team, as long as my front office was being aggressive and just keep trying new things until they hit. I'd be like, that's fine. Yeah. Nobody like, else is going to do anything better than that. If I was Glenn, I'd be totally cool with that process. Right, right. You know? That's what you like, should yeah. do in this market. Exactly. That, that makes sense. But that process is going to have the negative externality of fewer ticket sales, fewer viewers, fewer all that. So at what point yeah. does that stuff all, all factor into it? Hey, and big, I don't know. Hey, big moves and big turnover. We've seen that ignites fan bases. <laughs> so just keep those coming. Right, right. No, that, that's true. Um, okay, so for these last uh, 20 games of the season, I guess we've hit on we're excited to see Cat, uh, but within this mix, outside of that, let's just say, you know, he's – that doesn't happen. If that didn't happen, what, what, else, what else are you looking at specifically on this roster as, you know, important information to gather as we – you know, kind of dwindle out the rest of this year. Nas Reed probably like, can he figure out um, how to guard big man? Can he figure out how to be more effective on the glass? Um, basically that end of the court, like I'm, I'm, he's been not good on that end of the court. Yeah. It's been a major liability. It's a big reason why they're getting beat, you know, right now it's a big reason why they're that bad on the defensive end. Even when they get a stop, they can't get the rebound. They're just dominated physically down low and, you know, I think Ryan said something today about how, you know, they, Nas is going to be a big part of the future. Yeah. For this team, um, can he? Is it just something where he just needs more experience, and maybe he'll learn some of those little tricks and stuff? Yeah. Where, where he's just, you know, where that'll make the difference for him, or is he just physically not capable of playing with a lot of, you know, starting big men in this league? And if he's going to be a big part of things moving forward, if he's going to be the backup center, you kind of want to figure out like, can he play effective NBA basketball? You know, because right now I'm I'm not so sure he can, but it's but he has time, and this is still early, and he's yeah, rookie, you know, and it's yeah, like. For me, I was really excited about Nas, you know, in that that month kind of before the trade deadline, and he was this seemed like an interesting spark plug big who could, who I think has a really good shot, seemed to be like a, a definitely capable offensive player, and I thought initially his defense wasn't that bad, mm-hmm. but it's like as soon as he jumped into this starting role, that's where, it kind of- where and maybe it's just as simple as he's needing to guard starting centers now. Mm-hmm. 
where it's, I mean, how many games has he gotten two fouls in the first three minutes? Right, right, exactly. Like, it, so I don't know. It's almost like putting him into that starting role has kind of led to his star falling right. uh, a little bit. We know he's not going to be a starter going forward, though, so maybe that isn't even that big of a deal. Maybe the deal is just, yeah, man, this 20-year-old kid is getting a ton of reps, and we're, we've turned him into a player who, uh, to me, he looks like an NBA player. Like, maybe it's just a bench guy, but he, you're paying him nothing. So it's like, I don't know, maybe you're just you're just kind of gaining, you're gaining that valuable experience, mm-hmm. whatever, and um, and and more priming him to be a 13-minute-a-game guy right. next year. But it was interesting today. Ryan said, like, uh, essentially implied, you know, that he is going to not only be on the team next year, but, like, in the rotation. Right. And I don't know. I, mean, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I didn't I'd, think that was a lock by any means. Yeah, you wouldn't. I mean. I thought it was by necessity this year, to be honest. Right. And. You know, you know, credit to them for you know for believing in that it is a the dime one of the diamond in the roughs that yep. they've, you know, that they found this year and him and I would bring in Jordan and, yep. and Keelan, you know, to, to to some degree as as well as just guys who, who are getting paid nothing, showing you that yeah they do appear to be, NBA caliber players and as we talk about the the max contracts and all this, it's just having numerous players like that on super cheap deals that you feel can be rotation players is just a necessary compensation for paying Cat and D'Lo 30% of the cap each. You know, they 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 need that and so I, I agree with you. I think this the rest of this year is about determining whether or not like is Jordan the backup yep, point that's guard? exactly I was going to go through a checklist and that yep. was on that that was on that too. You know, he looks explosive and he just has, seems like he has enough to his game where you think just maybe. But I also think part of the problem with Nas is like it's kind of this new piece that was just thrown in in the middle of the year, and I don't even know if opponents, like, we saw him just take open threes all the time. Like, yeah. I don't know what the scouting report even was on him, and I think there is one now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think he's lost some confidence on his yeah, shot, too. Yeah, like he, sure. Yeah. Because remember at the beginning, he was just, like, yep, coming out just running. It. I mean, it was almost impressive. It was like, this guy just showed up, and he just chucked up, like, seven threes in yeah. ten minutes or whatever. But, you know, I just think I just think eventually, like, as there's more of a scouting report on you, teams say, well, this guy is really bad at this and this, and they, so let's attack it. You know, I think that's where your deficiencies pop but up. But Jordan really more. hasn't had that, I guess. Jordan hasn't that's what i thought he's almost gotten better as his playing time has increased like the more time he plays the better he plays so i think he's really interesting would have thought that no i was totally like yeah jordan mclaughlin he's just a guy you know like i was surprised they even gave him a two-year deal i mean two-way deal you know out of summer league i thought he played okay there but you know it's it's funny because not like they wouldn't even had him on the two-way right because it was because it was initially you get two two two-ways yep it was nas and keely yeah right and then they decide to upgrade Nas yeah. to an NBA contract, right. and then it was like, oh, Jordan. Like, I don't know. Was the plan to have Jordan McLaughlin like maybe in Iowa, just just as just a G an League Iowa player? player. And yeah, I think that was possible. I don't think anywhere else was going to give him an NBA thing. I don't know for sure. Right. But, but yeah, that's interesting. I think Wancho. I just want to kind of see more of him play. Be like, can this be somebody who starts alongside Carlton Towns? I'm thinking he maybe is more of a bench player. And how does that impact how you value him heading into yep. this summer with restricted free agency? Um, to see if any other teams enamored with him uh, or not. Um, right. It seems safe to assume that you know Beasley is the starting two next yeah, year, right. and or that they feel comfortable with Beasley being the starting two next year and paying him as such. But then I how think much do you have to pay a starting two like Beasley? Like, can somebody? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think he's going to get? You know, it totally just kind of comes down to market, and there just doesn't seem like much of one there um, with teams with salary cap space. Yeah. But teams can always create space, you know, team deals and whatnot to create space to sign somebody. We see yeah, that. some sort of sign-and-trade yeah. deal, something like that. We but see things like that. But, you know, I don't know. I, when I watch him play now, like, he, 
he's like complete, but has a ceiling. I think you know, okay. like not nothing he's really, really bad at. But I just watch him, and he can make a few plays off the ball, uh, on the ball, uh, playmaking. But that's not like a major strength of his game. But maybe then I, I think if they are going to pay him, they're going to give him a four-year deal. They're betting on the notion that they can develop sure. some of those things yeah. that you're talking sure. about. And yeah, and then you know that's that's my assumption. I don't think. But what's the market value of that? I, I don't know. I mean, people are all over the place. Yeah, they are. That. They like, are. The number's all over. That's where my number changes all the time. Yeah, I, I just... I'd be comfortable paying him, like, 13 or something like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I would, too. But what, but if, what if it ends up being more than that? That That's, you know, that's the that's the question, and I hear people, like, throwing out 15 to 18 or something like that. 18 and million would be insane. I mean, like, I'm not saying he can't eventually be worth that, but that's really hard. It's insane know? in the context of you're paying Cat and Dilo each yeah, 30 right, next year, right. too, and you just don't want to... Like if you said, "Hey, you can get Malik for twelve million less a year than Cat and Dilo," I'd be like, "Well, that's great," but it's just. But you're work. already there. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's like, um, to to some extent, like the, now this would be the like catastrophizing example, but like Gorgie, you know, back when he got his extension off of his rookie contract, we we're like, "Yeah, this is like a this looks like a rotation player, probably like a fifth starter on a team." I mean, that was the narrative yeah, at that right, time. It wasn't, right. and particularly in the context of that summer where a lot of guys were getting paid. And and then what ended up happening was it was Gorgie was at a number that, that he could not right, earn. Right. But that but that very year, the year that he signed that deal, he was like their best defensive player. Yep. He was a very valuable piece on a bad team. And then they signed Taj and now he wasn't yep. a starter anymore and it all went well I just all went away. I guess my, my point is is no matter what you sign Beasley to, you only do it if you say, okay, we think he's worth this number and we think there's a chance that he ends up exceeding it. Right. Whereas like Gorgie sounds crazy, but that like was his market value. And you're like, yeah, I could, you know, there's all these other centers, Mozgov and yeah. Joakim Noah, they're all getting that right, same 16 right. million a year. And you're like, well, at least Gorgie's 20 was 24 right. at the time or whatever. Um, he, he seems like he could be something there, but I don't think anybody ever thought like, Oh, Gorgie's going to proving that he's worth more than 16 Malik. Like, I don't know, m- maybe. Right. M- maybe maybe he could. My, for me, my analysis of all of it comes all, just keeps coming back to who the hell is going to pay him? Like, right. where, right. where does exactly. the money – where right. does the money right. – and that's nothing on him. That's why I think it will be a favorable market for Minnesota. So maybe they get, a, get an even better number Dude, than we I, possibly I think, imagined. I think the trade with Denver was as much about those two being restricted free agents this summer specifically – as it was yeah. them, quote-unquote, fitting the system right. or anything else. I think they're just taking smart bets yep. at, like, you know, it looks to be like a summer that's going to have a really yep. depressed market for guys. So maybe we could lock Malik in this summer where rather than, you know, a, a year from now where it'll be a lot more because teams teams have cap space. That's what I think they're going to hit. And what, what, I, what I've said is, like, what if, what if Malik – just gets a one-year $20 million offer from the Knicks. Yeah, right. You know, right, like, right. Why, why couldn't that happen? That right. sounds crazy, but if you're the Knicks, you go, well, we got to pay somebody. <laughs> like, we got we to gotta get up <laughs> to – As we're, they're known to do. Exactly. Just that, I just – I, I that, right. like, that wouldn't – I don't know. And if I was Malik, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I right, get 20. Right. And then next summer I can go sign some, you know, somewhere else. Like Unrestricted at that point. Exactly. That That's kind of – you know, that's what I'm – I just think we've gotten to this part where we assume that Malik Beasley is going to be back, and we yeah. assume that Wancho Hernan Gomez is going to be back because they were traded for. 
Well, no. I mean, they're free agents. That right. Sometimes when you're a free agent, you you don't stay around. Like, and to me, in a vacuum, I just think that that was giving up a late first round pick as they did for them. Like that, they gave up the Houston pick they got in uh, the Covington deal. That that that's that's a fine value to pay for that risk. Right. That that they took on. Yeah, that was. I mean, what are you going to do with that pick anyway? Yeah, what? Yeah. I mean, what? It, honestly, what is going to be like the twenty fourth pick? Yeah, right. Twenty fourth pick in a draft that everyone says is going to be bad. Yep, you know, like right. is that uh, you a, a second round pick in a normal draft? Like, right? Uh, yeah, I just to me, you traded that and Kata. Yeah. For who we love, Kata. Yeah, we do love Kata, but even <laughs> still, like I look at that and I'm like, no, oh, for yeah. for the chance to see those two guys, uh, Wancho and Malik, and potentially, and get first dibs, basically, on re-signing them. First dibs, and they can shoot. Right. <laughs> which will help it the second a, half of this year. It was such a slam dunk deal. For yeah, yeah. It, honestly, I'm questioning any part of that deal. I'm questioning the Denver side of, like, okay, yeah, I know, I know you can't bring them back, but aren't you guys trying to, like, exactly. win the championship? Right, exactly, <laughs> like, right. I don't know. That that part of it was weird to me. So, I yeah. If there comes a point where somebody gets hurt and they could have Malik Beasley, Denver fans are going to be like, we traded this for the 25th pick. Mm-hmm. And I think what that Tim Connolly would say goes, well, if somebody gets hurt, we're not winning the championship no matter what. But so say like, it's Gary Harris and you can play Malik Beasley yeah, there. That, that's, that kind that's of is That's one guy, but yeah. That's true. Uh, that's Jace Frederick. You can read all of his stuff. It's at TwinCities.com. He writes for the, the Pioneer Press. Um, keep keep following along with his stuff. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. We'll have, I'll have another podcast uh, this Thursday. And the Timberwolves will continue to play games. Thanks for coming on, Jace. Appreciate it. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.